Yes, we are back. This is episode number six of the Shutdown Ending Podcast, and we are here to shut down some hitters. Steven Risotto, Tyler Hall. Tyler, happy Thanksgiving. How was your holiday? Hey, hey, everybody. What's up, Steven? Uh, holiday was good. Got to spend a lot of time with family uh, and just, you know, have a have a good evening, just kind of chilling out with uh, a bun- with a full plate and a full glass. How about you? How was the Propel? The Propel was amazing. It was a great touch to the uh, the the variety of food that we had at the table. Yeah, no, turkey was good. Everything was good. Uh, there's some pasta. I mean, the family had mashed potato. I mean, we eat stuffing, just all, the, all of that. Now, I didn't eat all of it. You know me. I'm a very picky eater. But it was there. It was on the table. So um, we used to go kind of all out for Thanksgiving. Now we kind of just uh, – we don't have as many people – uh around us for thanksgiving but it's still still a lot of fun but uh the start of the holiday season so i don't really count halloween in that but thanksgiving is definitely the start i think yeah halloween's like the appetizer it's not really a festive holiday as far as celebrating with family so yeah i'm with you i count thanksgiving as as the kickoff and so it's off to a good start for both of us it sounds like yeah no for sure and and baseball you know I think like during the holidays, we always kind of like keep baseball, like, you know, cause football's happening and basketball, of course, we kind of keep like baseball free agency on the back burner. But like, then we got that thing, like the alert a few days before Thanksgiving that Aaron judge was visiting uh, San Francisco. And we saw the video. It happened like late Monday yeah. night. I think the video of him visiting. Yeah. Uh, him uh, arriving at the the hotel, which uh, Bay area Bob, actually I'm this guy somewhere on Twitter who drops nuggets like once every few months, he nailed, I think he got the hotel right too. Uh, like a week before he said, Aaron judge was going to be coming in and he did. Um but yeah, I, I, that got Giants Twitter uh, going at full speed for late November. Bay Area Bob has broken many news stories before. He's not right on all of them, but the ones that he is right on, like it's it's electric because he's just so like, and go follow him if you haven't already. I mean, we have to plug Bay Area Bob. He's just such Absolutely. a legend. Yeah, um, I mean, his delivery may not be for everybody. He's a little, uh, a little brash, if you will, but... Uh, you know, he's he's hit on some stories. He's gotten some scoops and uh, hopefully he gets his due soon. I think he's the ghost of Bay Area Bob now because I think he disappeared for a while. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Bay Area Bob. But yeah, Aaron Judge visiting San Francisco. I mean, I tweeted out, you know, it's not breaking that, you know, one of the top free agents is going to visit <clears throat> one of his most likely potential landing spots. But, you know, when you, when you have a guy coming off the season, Judge's, coming to a visiting a franchise that could definitely use his star power and his bat in the lineup. It's going to get people talking. And I think it, it scared some Yankees fans. Some are still like, ah, whatever, you know, like I, on my, a couple of my judge tweets, I had just random Yankees fans hopping in just to say not going to happen, but you know, it, it was fun to see at least. And, you know, one thing that I saw judges said that I really liked was that, you know, hopefully it's with the giants, but he said, you know, wherever he signs, he wants to make a decision sooner than later. So his team can make some moves and that helps everyone involved, whether, you know, he signs with your team or not, at least everyone involved will know if they have Aaron judge or not, and they can plan their off season accordingly. You get some of these guys who 
top free agents wait until, you know, late December, early January, and then some other guys are off the board and then teams are scrambling. So uh, I definitely appreciate that from judge. Everything I've seen from judge so far is seems like he's a top notch dude. So um, he gets it. Yeah, yeah, he gets it. And and that's something that like, that's all you can ask for, you know, because it could be a real frustrating process. I'm sure, you know, like a guy who just put up 62 home runs He's looking for the best deal possible. This is the place where he's going to spend the rest of his baseball career or most of, you know, the rest of his baseball career. He's going to buy a house there. His kids are going to go to school there. This is a huge life decision for Aaron Judge, and I'm sure he's going to not want to mess it up. He's going to probably meet with the Yankees at some point. I know there's been dialogue. He's obviously now started conversation with the Giants. Uh, I'm sure the Dodgers are going to be involved. There could be a mystery team. There always is. So, I mean, it's the beginning of the process for him, but I do believe that it's going to get wrapped up by the winter meetings um, or at the winter meetings in San yeah, Diego. Nice week and a half or so, probably. Yeah, we'll, we'll get something. But it's it. I, I do agree with you. He said all the right things. It feels like he always says the right things, and that's what you could kind of admire about him. He's taken on the role of, you know, of that, you know, good image type of it's ball kind player. Of very uh, Jeter-esque coming from the Yankees. You know, Jeter always said the right things. He was the shortstop and the captain of the Yankees for 20 years, and he never really had any controversy. And I think uh, Judge kind of took some notes from how Jeter conducted himself. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, hopefully hopefully he signs and we could get this out of the way. And, you know, if he goes to the Giants, the Dodgers, the Mets, mystery team, Yankees, Red Sox, I don't know. But I, I think it will get wrapped up soon and he's going to give them a chance to, you know, whatever team he signs with, the chance to kind of get their feet wet in the free. Because you never want to run into a situation where you got Aaron Judge, you know, you got one guy on the phone with Aaron Judge, another guy on the phone with his agent. Um and then you let Brandon Nimmo sneak by, you know, something like yeah. that happens. So you never want that to happen. So um, you always want to keep your eyes open. And I, I believe that's what Farhan and company are, are doing, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the big news of like the week. I Mike Clevenger signed with the White Sox. I mean, what do we make of that? I know he's battled through injuries and ineffective. He was horrible in the postseason. Awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was really good with with the Guardians or the he, the Cleveland franchise when he yeah. was there. I don't think they were the Guardians quite yet, but you know. So if he can, that's someone who you know we'll see how he does with the White Sox. I, I haven't seen the details. Is it was it a one year? I didn't see the I details that he signed. either. Yeah, I haven't seen the details, but uh, you know, I'm sure the White Sox got a pretty decent deal uh, if especially if he can get back to close to his Cleveland days. Um, it's always weird when a guy's first coming back from injuries. You know, you don't know how his arm strength was. Is he going to be fully himself that first, you know, half a season back? So I think, you know, he could be a, a real sleeper pick for this mm -hmm. offseason. You know, I, we've talked about the top three pitchers all the, you know, every episode. Uh, after those three, it kind of drops down. He could easily be one like the fourth best pitcher that signed this offseason, just depending on how he bounces back. So, you know, I'm assuming that he uh, didn't cost the White Sox a ton of money. And so uh, at least to uh, in baseball money talk. It was one <laughs> year, a little I, bit over eight cost million. a ton of money. Yeah. So one year, oh, a little bit over eight. And shout out to Chris a, Corbett. That's a steal. Yeah, Chris Corbett had him That's on worth the Giants, a gamble. Giants most wanted yeah. on our Giants chatter uh um 
you know, a, a series that we had to go check out Giants Chatter on Facebook. Great group. Shameless plug. Um, so yeah, yeah, mid rotation guy. I think I, I think he's a very uh, he's he's kind of a strange guy, but I also think he's you know he comes from the uh, the Bauer and like not having to do with Bauer like off the field or anything, but like the Bauer kind of pitching nerd school. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like a Bauer disciple for a while. So he like I feel yeah, like he's they were a guy both that... they were both on the Cleveland staff for a little yeah. while together. So so I, I feel like. Bit. Yeah, I feel like he's a guy that like knows how to pitch, knows what's going wrong, and he's battled through some injuries. He could be like a high risk. He's thirty one years old. I mean, it's good for a one year deal. There's no such thing as a bad one year deal, I don't think. But I mean, if if you get a good four starter, four or like maybe he starts like a game three in a playoff series, I think you'd be happy with that. So I mean, not not big news, but news that will gloss over here for like three minutes <laughs> so but that's uh, the news that we have yeah. yeah yeah and then other than that the other you know big news was the the official the regular hall of fame ballot came out uh not much to get excited about there a lot of leftover a lot of holdovers still it's jeff kent's last year doubt he'll get in but i don't i'd never get this the love that he doesn't receive because he's probably the best offensive second baseman of all time uh, but some of the newcomers, the uh, Carlos Beltran uh, and K Rod, uh, Francisco Rodriguez, uh, and then you know those are probably the only two that'll probably garner many votes. And then you know Giants fan got to mention Matt Kane. He was the longest tenured Giant for a long time, anchored a lot of uh, pitching staffs, and had some really good postseasons that were always kind of overshadowed by either Tim Lincecum or Madison Bumgarner. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting to see who gets in this year on the on the ballot. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts, Stephen? Yeah, I think Beltron is going to get the most uh, attention in terms of conversation. And I, I do agree that I think this is a big year for Kent being that it's his last. And I think the ballot has cleared off enough to where Kent might be able to get a boost. Roland might be able to get a boost. Helton might be able to get a boost. Uh, and you mentioned that, you know, Kent is a uh, very comparable. I, I think he's comparable to Ryan Sandberg. I think he's comparable to Craig Biggio in terms of offensive production. Um, you know, look at all the years of 100 plus RBIs. I know the voters love their RBIs and they kill him for his defense. But, you know, he's not as bad as a defender as people think. But uh, I, I think he'll get a little bit of a boost. I still don't think he gets in. I think he's a prospective veterans committee guy. I know we talked about that in the last episode with, or the two episodes ago with Andrew Pasquini. Go check that one out. Um, but Beltron, in terms of newcomers, Beltron's the guy to look for because he's he's got two things about him that are interesting to me. Number one is that he's like, if you look at the baseball reference sheet, you look at the back of the baseball card, like it's very like borderline, right? But then again, you look at the Hall of Fame center fielders and like it's elite, it's an elite group, right? You got Mays, Mantle, Cobb, DiMaggio, Griffey, um, Tris Speaker. Um, you got all these center fielders, right? And then there's a big drop off. And then Carlos mm-hmm. Beltran is like in that bunch with like it's him, Kenny Lofton, Jim Edmonds, like those guys, right? So there's a big drop off in terms of like the history of center field and it puts Beltron like in the top like 12 of all time in center field. So that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the thing number 2 that you have is the cheating scandal. 
Like, what do you think about that? In 2017, he was a part of the team. Do you put any stock into it? Because I don't think I do. I I don't really. I mean, they already penalized whoever they felt like they needed to penalize. It was kind of in, in the latter part of his career. Um, I think one thing for Beltran that a lot of people overlook, he was a five-tool guy, especially early in his career with the Royals. He was stealing. Uh, I just pulled it up when you because I wanted to make sure I wasn't lying to anybody here but uh but yeah he had a couple years where he stole over 40 bags another handful over 30 i mean he could do it all on the field you know and and he could hit it all over the all over the field you know he was a guy that when when his team was in town you had to worry about how you're going to pitch to carlos beltron so yep switch hitter too that's a that's a cool thing you know there's we don't hear a lot about like a lot of big time switch hitters anymore in, in baseball today and um, that was actually a question that I've, I've asked Gabe Kapler about because, you know, when the Pirates were in San Francisco, they had a lot of switch hitters and they were like the team with the most switch hitters the Giants had seen up until that point. But that's a different story. But Beltron, like if you look at where he ranks among the history of like switch hitters, again, it's a very short list of guys that are, you know, very productive from both sides both of the sides. plate. Um, but I mean, it's it's interesting because he's got, if you look at baseball reference, 70.1 war. He's got 20, just over 27,000 hits, 20, 2,700 hits. That'd be crazy. 27,000. Yeah, I think he had, uh, I closed the page. I think he had over 400 home runs. Yeah. Around 430. Yeah. He had a uh, 435, you know, 279 hitter, 300 steals, uh, and above that finished with, you know, above average offensive numbers across the board. Um, but in terms of the cheating scandal, and if people hit him for that, like you know they're going to come after Altuve when it's all said and done, and Correa and some of those guys who might end up on a ballot. But like Beltron was done at that point. The only the only reason he was still playing, I think, was to chase that championship that he hadn't had yet. Um, and like he lost his job over it. Remember, he was named manager of the Mets, and he like yeah. lost his job. Like, I mean, I I I. I disagree to a point that no players were like, you know, disciplined for that, you know, but then again, it's, it's kind of like picking and choosing, well, who did it the most. So I, I, it's a tough spot. You'd have to go based off hearsay and what you found in the investigation, but it did sound like Beltron was the ringleader in that, but I'd be interested to see how much that hurt, that hurts them compared to like just overall numbers, you know, not adding up, but usually people with over 70 war get in. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like 60, 65 is usually the tipping point where if they're over that, they usually eventually get in. Yeah. So, I think this first year on the ballot, I I don't know. I don't think he'll get in. We talked about the whole first ballot thing. I just think on his first ballot, I think I, I would be surprised if he hangs around like that 50 to 55%. Yeah, that's a that's good number. my unofficial guess for where he'll be. Maybe we'll get, uh, maybe we'll get one, one of those, uh, Roland Helton holdovers over the top. I think Kent has too much ground to make up. I think he was in like the thirties or forties last year. That might even be a little high. So for where he finished last year. So I don't know if he'll get that much, but like you said, the ballot cleared off quite a bit. So we'll see. You and I should uh, release. uh, We should release a ballot. We should tweet ours out. 
let's do i'll do it yeah we we'll, should uh, we we'll should put get them the, together yeah the blank template and we could put it out together that'd be cool yeah, um, we'll put that out and then uh, everyone else anyone who's listening can uh comment we'll we'll put a blank one on there too so you can make your ballots we'll compare and we'll have a nice little uh shutdown inning hall of fame debate that would be awesome yeah we could get some yeah people's thoughts and that'd be cool because hall of fame i think is one of the, my favorite topics to talk about uh and it's like different for me because we're right now at the people like where the last few years have been the players that I have like seen, but like the tail end mm-hmm. of, so we're not at the players yet. where like, I've seen their entire you career, remember their whole career. Yeah. yeah. We're close, but it's not there yet. And uh, Beltron, I a hundred percent remember Beltron and I a hundred percent remember Matt Kane. Uh, but we're not at like the, uh, you know, the, the completely my era guys, you know, yeah. so we're close, but uh, so I'd have to go off the the numbers a little bit more and kind of what I'm hearing from other people. So it's difficult, but um, and then the other guy that that is on there is is uh, Francisco Rodriguez, and I think he's like the only other guy, the only other newcomer that maybe has a shot. And like he's got a lot of saves. I understand that. Um, and my fear, because I think Billy Wagner's in. I think his numbers are crazy good. My fear is that he's going to get compared to Billy Wagner quite a bit. And he, they're going to like, you know, kind of share time on the ballot. And if you vote for Wagner, you're going to have to vote for Rodriguez. I don't think it's the same, but like his numbers, again, I didn't think that they were as good as they are. Yeah. I mean, I think Rodriguez, I'd have to look, look at the baseball card, so to speak. But, you know, I think he, he had a, he had a very up and down career. Like he started out hot with the angels and then he kind of, disappeared not disappeared but you know wasn't himself for a while then he came back and dominated a little bit more i think with the tigers a a few years and then he kind of went down again then he came back up where you know wagner his career was more just like rock solid like eight or nine years in a row like wagner's gonna shut it down um so that's where i think the the two at least in my recollection and when i think back when you mention those two names to me when I think back at them that's what what I kind of draw to um so yeah you know it, relievers are always a weird thing uh, it's hard in the hall yeah. of fame uh especially now it's gonna be even weirder going in the future like 20 years 15 20 years from now with how relievers are used now especially as more managers are saying oh well I don't necessarily want to use my best reliever and just save them for the ninth um, if they have the you know, two, three, four hitters up in the eighth, I'm going to pit throw my top reliever in the eighth. So it'll be interesting to see how this, you know, debate kind of grows as time goes. But, uh, you know, I'm with you. I think Wagner's in and Rodriguez is one I'd have to kind of think a little bit more on personally. Yeah. I'm probably a no on him to be honest. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'd have to look again, like you just mentioned, but Matt Kane was the other guy we wanted to touch on real quick. Uh, excuse me, Matt Kane, of course, uh, spent his entire year with, uh, career with the Giants from like what 2005 to 2017, I believe, Sounds was right. his yeah. final year. Uh, and you know what a career it was, and you know he's revered in, in Giants history, and he'll you know he's got a plaque on the hall of, on the Wall of Fame, and probably not a, a Hall of game. Famer, a perfect no, game. I- I don't think it'll hang on the ballot more than this year. So Giants fans enjoy it while you can. Don't get upset when he's not on the ballot next year, most likely. But 
you know, it's always fun to see, you know, guys that you watch their whole career and you've probably, you know, you and I probably saw 70, 80% of his starts, if not more. So it's always fun to at least see those guys on the ballot and look back on it. Um, yeah. And like, you know, the, like I mentioned, some of his post seasons were kind of overshadowed by Lincecum and, and Bumgarner, the whole 2010 postseason, he didn't allow a single earned run. Yeah. Um, he pitched in every series. Yeah. He made three starts, didn't allow a run in the playoffs. So, you know, solid career not to be overlooked, but not a hall of fame career, unfortunately, but not a hall of fame career. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's not a flashy guy. You know, Lincecum had the wild mechanics and the long hair and the blazing fastball and Bumgarner had the, the big postseason track record and, you know, left-handed young kid from North Carolina Kane just quietly did it. You know, he was very generic, not generic. He had great stuff, but like very generic in terms of like what a pitcher should be. That was him. You know, right. Yeah. What a pitcher was just go out, to get the like, job done. Yeah. Very... Walk back to the dugout. Yeah. And then, of course, all the Giants fans know uh, the term getting caned. He would always, he was <laughs> notorious for going like seven innings, giving up maybe one or two runs and taking the loss because the offense couldn't get him any run support. That's why his win and losses are very skewed. So, yeah. Uh, but it's just a big accomplishment. Congrats to all those guys who appear on the ballot. Like, it's such a small percentage of players that get into the Hall of Fame. And just we forget that it's also a very small percentage of number of players that, you know, get even on the ballot. So, I yeah. mean, it's it's a big, big accomplishment for for all those guys. And I think Kane should be uh giant should should you know, not honor him because of this. I think that would be too much, but, you know, give him some recognition that he was there and pretty yeah. cool thing for him. And maybe they'll do a graphic for Carlos Beltran too. Who knows? <laughs> hey, you know, forever giant. Forever giant, of course. Um, So now we wanted to, to hop in. You know, we mentioned that not a ton was going on this week. We figured it would be cool to kind of get to know us uh, from a baseball fan perspective. I know there's some people that know us a little bit, probably could... um you know, choose a thing or two that uh, they remember from both of us, either on Twitter or on other podcasts or whatever. Um, but a lot of you guys have never seen us. You don't know us. You've never heard of us. So we figured now would be a good time to kind of tell our baseball story, some favorite stuff that we've done, seen, experienced. So um, yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah, yeah, it'll be cool. Um I guess uh, age age before beauty. So I'll I'll start off, Stephen. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, you know, I started. I was just growing up as a little kid. My dad always introduced me to all the sports, um, and baseball was just the one that I always gravitated to. When I was like four or five years old, he got me this computer game called Tony Larusa Baseball Two, and it had like historic uh, rosters for every team. And you could call any play you wanted. So like when most kids were like just learning how to pick up a baseball, like I knew what a double steal was and I knew what a suicide <laughs> squeeze was. And, uh, you know, for some reason, just like I always enjoyed going to baseball games more than any other sport. Um, and part of the reason why I didn't play t-ball at all, because, because like I knew the rules so well that my dad knew I would just get pissed off at the other kids for like hitting the ball and running the wrong, like running to third instead of running to first. So we waited until uh, coach pitch um, and I was a, a catcher pretty much all the way through uh, all the way through high school when my uh, athletic ability topped out in uh, JV baseball. 
And at that point I had to make the call either, uh, get a job and start saving for college or uh, be like the third string catcher on my varsity team. So I had to make the tough decision. I still played a little bit of uh senior ball or whatever you'd call it just to keep, keep the juices flowing after that. But, uh, but yeah, I was just always, always gravitated towards it and uh, made a lot of friends through baseball. Um, I become kind of known as like the baseball fan friend or the Giants fan friend. I think I mentioned it previously where like when the Giants do something big or there's some big baseball news, like I hear from friends that I haven't heard from in months or years, you know, cause they, they see something happen with the Giants and they think of me, which is always pretty cool. So kind of keep those connections. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, I just kind of started from an early age. It was kind of my, uh, my first love as far as sports is concerned and it's always been well at the top ever since then uh, i know you got a little bit of a later start on uh, both uh age wise and uh a couple decades after me steven but where where did your story start yeah definitely a little bit of a later start um i think so i was born in, in 2002 but i first got into baseball um I had I had uncles that loved the Giants and family members that loved the Giants and I was never really into it until the uh 2010 playoffs and like right and everybody's like oh you know the Giants are on the Giants and that's all I heard about that fall was that the Giants were playing and then I turned on the TV and I watched Tim Lincecum throw you know Tim Lincecum a guy that looks like everybody else in the Bay Area I'm like that's cool this is baseball you know that guy looks like somebody that you know I could look like or whatever He's, you know, small guy and he throws a shutout and everything and I'm hooked. Right. And, uh, I, I caught up really quickly, like really, really quickly. You know, I'm looking at Emmanuel Burr's stats in like fourth grade and everything. And, uh, I, I play, I, I start playing and, you know, every, all these kids are playing like T-ball already and they've played through kid pitch. And my first year was kid pitch. I'm like, this is going to be crazy. And I'm horrible just awful i didn't swing the bat my entire first year little league i think until you didn't like swing once not i don't remember swinging i led the team in walks i led the team in strikeouts it was like i i think because we had to actually have a way swing. to work the pitch count steven yeah uh yeah so exactly but i had the ball somewhere here but I think because we had a game ball at the end of the year of like a memorable moment. And mine was like, apparently I made a catch in right field, which is wild. Uh, so I was like that kid in right field. Right. And then like, I loved it so much that I wanted to keep going back. And like, I found myself getting better. I didn't really hit well. I didn't really feel well. But then when I got to high school, I realized that I was a pretty good pitcher. And that's kind of where I spent a lot of my time. And they even told me they're like, you know, you're not going to, you know, don't even focus really on hitting. Don't even focus really on defense or focus a little bit on defense, but you're going to pitch. And that's kind of where I figured that, you know, I'd be good at. I spent a lot of time throwing a tennis ball against the wall and everything. And um, I had good mechanics and I didn't throw hard, but I was good at getting outs. And it took me all through high school. Then when high school was done, I realized, you know, I don't, I want to go into journalism. I knew I'd wanted to go into journalism since third grade. Uh, and I wanted to combine it with baseball. And that's kind of where um, I went. I stopped uh, playing and then I focused on journalism full time. And uh, our good friend Taylor Worth recommended me for the SF Bay position. Um, and after 
a few emails and a few like tryouts. I got it and it was awesome. And I haven't looked back since. So, I mean, I know both of us are baseball rats. We, uh, we love the game. We love the numbers. We love the players. We love the human aspect of it. We love the way the game's played. Um, but it's, it's, it's like a way of life for us too. You know, I think that gets, you know, it's not just like a sport, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, we, we live and we breathe it and, you know, these moments, and this goes for all sports fans. There are certain things that happen uh, that the normal people that don't like sports just don't get, right? Mm-hmm. Only the people that watch the games get it. Like, only the people that watch Game 7 of the World Series were stressed out were stressed out when the ball got by Blanco and Perez kicked it, you know, at the warning track, right? Normal yeah. people won't get that, but we're not normal people because we <laughs> like baseball. So that's pretty much my story, and I know we wanted to hop into a few other things here. Um, I mean, when you think of like baseball, like favorite players, I guess we could start there. Um, I just mentioned to you, my first guy was Lincecum and, uh, he, like I said, he, he kind of embodied like San Francisco and like not necessarily your traditional baseball player. And I mentioned, I didn't watch the giants until that postseason. like a few weeks after I saw that game, I was Lincecum for Halloween. Like it was that quick. It it was super quick. So who was kind of the guy that, that, that you liked watching baseball? I mean, my first favorite player was Will Clark. Uh, just cause you know, he was my favorite team. He was the best player on my favorite team when I started following baseball. So he was kind of, uh, the easy go-to for me to kind of gravitate to, um, you know, I was still young enough that I didn't really quite get all of it but I just knew he was really good I enjoyed that he you know played with a lot of hustle and a lot of heart um and you know that kind of ended up book ending pretty well into my next favorite player Uh, he and Barry only played together for I think it was a year maybe two um but I went to like Will's last game at Candlestick and the Chronicle handed out all the you know the they used to hand out like little placard or little signs every every once in a while and they had one that said keep the thrill that they handed every fan on their way into uh Will Clark's what ended up being his last game in a Giants uniform at Candlestick. Um yeah, and then and then Barry c- came in and you know you can argue or not whether he saved the Giants in San Francisco or not. I think he definitely got that ballpark built. <laughs> um or at least played a big part in it um and so yeah those are probably my two my two favorite players um growing up branching out to non-giants uh you know I always enjoyed uh Griffey and Cal Ripken Jr. who I think I mentioned both a little bit previously um Ripken you know I just when I was little I just really liked his uh you know his work ethic you know he didn't didn't miss a game for so long and I remember where I was when I made sure I had a Boy Scout meeting that night, but I was late for my Boy Scout meeting because I wanted to stay until the middle of the fifth when he uh, broke Lou Gehrig's record. Um, And I'll get into Lou Gehrig again in a little bit, I think, if we cover uh, another topic. But uh, so that was that was a big record for me growing up, kind of talking about how we're all about numbers and everything. That's uh, baseball. If you're a a lifelong baseball fan, you care about numbers a lot. So I wanted to watch him break that record. And then, you know, Griffey was just fun to watch. I mean, he did everything and he, he always, you know, you almost argue he played too hard. If he maybe (laughs) played a little smarter and not harder, he might be, you know, around 800 home runs right now. 
Um, but he was just so fun to watch. Um, and then, yeah, getting into more recent days, you know, I, I've always said that my, uh, my top five giants of all time are, are Will, Barry, uh, Timmy, Sergio Romo, which is kind of an outlier for some people. Uh, my that's what's up, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but, uh, that's where that kind of sprung off from. Uh, I think, uh, people have told me we have, a my personality kind of reminds them of Sergio a little bit. Uh, and then, uh, Hunter Pence, uh, you know, kind of the, the team chemistry, keep the team together leader, kind of, kind of guy that Jersey right up there is, uh, mm -hmm. a personalized instead of Pence, it's that uh, says the Reverend and, uh, he signed it for me after his last game well, his first last game with the Jets, uh, when he left after 2019, 2018. Um, yeah. So. Those are some of my favorite players. You know, we could probably do a whole episode on favorite players and just talking about guys mm -hmm. we think of, but those are the ones that come to mind for me. How about, how about you, Steven? Who's after Timmy? Yeah. After Timmy, I mean, it would have to be Mike Trout. That was the one guy. And and I know that he's the best player in baseball or, or was, I don't know. You can make the argument if he still is when he's healthy, but um, I mean, that guy just was, he's still the best player I've ever seen. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's the best player I've ever seen. Uh, I've seen him in person a few times and I mean the seasons that he's put up and even the the not complete ones even the ones where he's hurt a little bit he's still got the mix of power and athletic ability he's he's unlike anything I've seen and you know I feel like there's there's other ones I like I always liked Albert Pujols even though I kind of saw him in his declining years I kind of always understood the legacy that he had and it was it was really cool to watch him hit his 700th homer this year um and i i've had you know three jerseys that weren't giants so i've had like a posy and uh customized jersey of myself but if we're talking other teams i've had three jerseys of guys trout's one of them because you know i never really bought jerseys i haven't bought one in a while but trout's one of them andrew mccutcheon pittsburgh pirates is another i love McCutcheon, I think he's hilarious. I think he's a an awesome guy. He's to... one of the best like social media follows in baseball. Yeah, and he's just a really good player too. Just a fun athletic player. Um, you know, in his prime and his peak when he won an MVP. And Bryce Harper, who just got to the World Series. I, you know, I always thought Harper was kind of misunderstood. Um Nats Harper jersey or Phillies Harper Nats, jersey? Nats Nats Harper jersey. And yeah, so Nats. Uh, I always thought he was just misunderstood. You know, I think he's just he was in the spotlight way too long uh, since he was 16, 17 years old. And he's he's now like a he seems like a different guy. And he was like the trailblazer for kind of the let them kids play, let the kids play, you know, um, mm. you know, I guess type of uh, slogan. Nobody else was, you know, watching home runs like he was, uh, I guess, in that generation. He's, and he's kind of brought the the flair back to baseball for sure. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And I like all the international guys that are coming up. I love Otani. Uh, I love, um, you know, Vlad Jr. And Soto, I think is awesome. And, and a lot of those players, but I also really like old time baseball players too. Cause I, I'm like a big baseball history junkie and I've, I love reading about Clemente, Roberto Clemente and Willie mm -hmm. Mays and, um, you know, Jeter. I always like Jeter. I got a picture of him behind me and, um, you know, the, the Leo DeRocher was someone that I was always intrigued by. I know a lot of people weren't expecting that answer. 
um you know but so many so many legends of the game that that i've read about and um i've enjoyed dimaggio of course is kind of a, an italian baseball icon so again we could go on and on about this but so many players that kind of uh come to my mind yeah i mean kind of tying generations together i think uh people comparing trout is like the modern day mickey mantle is a pretty mm-hmm. good comp that's i've heard that before and it makes a lot of sense to me uh that's, that's a yeah. good one yeah 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 so yeah we could do a whole episode on on players and we could probably do a whole episode uh on our our next topic uh favorite baseball movies yes what are uh i'm, I'm sure we have some overlap but what are what are some of yours this is tough because like I always see the meme where it's like, you know, you can only save one and it's impossible. And I know a lot of people are going to go to field of dreams and I love that movie. Uh, and I love like the significance of it and the, it's, it's very spiritual in a sense, but, um, I'm a big comedy person. I know you're a huge comedy person too. So I've always kind of been drawn to major league. I think major league was, is the best baseball movie in my mind. I could watch it. I could watch the first one. And I think, you know, it's really hard to make sequels in in film in the film industry, but mm-hmm. they did a really good job with the second one too. Um, yeah. So I think both movies are really good. Those are the two that come to mind. But I also like Bull Durham, of course. I I discovered Bull Durham like a little later. Like I so, always, I've I, actually never watched Bull Durham. It's really? On, yeah, it's one I know I need to watch. I just never have. Yeah, Maybe, uh, that's my, my homework, I guess. Yeah, I I I discovered it like past few years i think it it was within the last few years and i still put major league over it's funny it's great kevin costner's good um so you know bull durham's a good one but i also like moneyball you know i i could watch that one too i think moneyball's fantastic but 42 is is i believe in my top three too i think the historical meaning of jackie robinson and how he broke the color barrier and Mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman and Harrison Ford it was awesome you know it's it's a cool historical account of what happened uh and I think an underrated one I'll give you an underrated one Little Big League doesn't get mentioned up there a lot that was and, gonna be one of mine yeah Little Big League and I should mention the Sandlot too shout out you know that's a safe pick uh but Little Big League like the premise of it I've always loved movies like that like a kid owning and managing a team come on that's awesome yeah. Um, so, and I know you can make jokes out of that, uh, for, for a certain select few people, but, um, that's awesome. But there's, there's also, uh, there's a good number of, uh, baseball movies that are good, but those are my top ones. Yeah. Uh, one, I mentioned I'd get to Lou Gehrig again in a little bit. I I always like pride of the Yankees is one of the first baseball movies I watched with my, my dad. Have you watched, have you seen that one? I haven't, but I, I have it somewhere here, and I'm actually reading a Gehrig and Ruth book right now as we speak. Okay, so yeah, it touches it on it a little uh, bit. Yeah, uh, Babe Ruth was actually still alive when they made the movie, so he makes a cameo in it as himself. Um, you know, kind of early on, like I said, that Tony Larusa game that I played as a really little kid, it was it had like all historic rosters. So like I was trading for Ruth and Gehrig and Mays, and so like. Uh, Pride of the Yankees was always one that I was kind of drawn to. And part of the reason why I loved Ripken so much growing up because he was chasing Lou Gehrig. Um, and then, you know, like I said, little big league, little big league rookie of the year and Sandlot all came out like when I was 
really young. It's a golden so age. It was yeah. like, yeah, it was just like every year there was like an awesome baseball movie coming out. You know, you had you had the Sandlot, which I always said, like, I wish I grew up in that era. I would have loved to have been, like had a Sandlot to play ball with my oh, friends man, at. That's so awesome. Um, and then you had Little Big League, you had a kid owning and managing a team. And then you had Rookie of the Year, a kid playing in the big leagues. It was like anything as a little kid you could dream of was in those three movies. Um, so those are three that uh, that I've always really loved. Um, Sandlot, you said it's a safe pick, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's just classic. I could watch that movie. Like if I was scrolling through the channels, uh, if, if it wasn't all app based anymore and you could still scroll through the channels. Have you seen um, Mr. Baseball? I haven't. That's a good one with Tom Selleck where he goes to Japan and uh, like he's he's an aging star in the big leagues and he has to, you know, gets traded to Japan and he's like very like close minded about adapting. It's really fun. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Tom Selleck never ages, by the way. No, he doesn't. Um, yeah. So maybe I'll check Bull Durham and Mr. Baseball, I guess, are on my uh, to do list. In my and Mr. 3000, Mac. another good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bernie Mac, right? Bernie but, Mac. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. new baseball movies. Where are the new ones? I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, they, they've been pretty rough, like some of the m- more recent ones. Um, yeah. but some of the yeah, sports yeah. movies, like there's got to be more sports movies. I feel like the Adam Sandler one with, um, uh, it's called Hustle on Netflix. I'm thinking. Oh, I've of... heard that's good. The basketball one. Where, yeah. Uh, he he's takes a over scout. Like, the 76ers or he's a scout for the 76ers. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be more than that, though. Let's get some. some... Yeah. I mean. It's tough. Like I feel like, you know, a lot of the stuff that's kind of out, you know, that you could think of has already been made for sports. So it almost has to be either really super, like super unbelievable, like rookie of the year is not unbelievable, but uh, you know what I mean? So it's either gonna have to be that or just some more. Yeah, we'll see. I, I hope there's some more. I hope there's some for for my son growing up. Yeah. What would be a cool baseball movie real quick is I read a book series when I was a kid um where it's you might have seen it's called like the the series is called like jackie and me or babe and me and this kid in the book would like put his finger on a baseball card and it would transport him to that year oh that would be awesome and it was just a really cool book and he would like hang out with the players and stuff and they would be like suspicious because he would like whip out his phone and stuff and they're like what is that you know and then he got an idea to like you know take a bunch of baseball cards and like bring them back and make money so yeah stuff like that would be awesome i like the future and past movies yeah yeah so lots lots of good ones i mean you know they they bring generations together you know i'll be sharing those with my son and you you with yours as well someday and i think i think uh uh field of dreams will grow on you the older you get as well probably i think so too yeah it's it was it was a little like creepy the first time i watched it but i haven't seen it in a while i think maybe now i'll have a a little bit of a different perspective uh on it so um again another topic that we could talk all day about (laughs) yeah um and then let's see maybe a couple more minutes here i think so what about you know some of the top baseball moments that you've seen live anything Ooh. come to mind i saw or, or comes... maybe not live maybe you watched them okay. live yeah if well, you weren't necessarily at the ballpark i've seen some cool moments within the last few years some like record breaking i think i was there when the giants set the uh the franchise record for wins um 
And then when they got 107, that last game in the 2021 season, those are some of the live moments. I've seen a cool, I'm trying to think of like pre press box, cool live moments. Uh, this past year, I saw Jock Peterson's three homer day. That was crazy. Um, I've seen a few walk-off homers. Um, but Lincecum's second no-hitter is the one that comes to mind live. Uh, and then if I'm watching on TV, um, trying to think of a good non-postseason. Derek Jeter's walk-off single is one that I had. In his last at, game at Yankee? In his last game at Yankee Stadium. Uh, it, was, it was a Tuesday night. And like my mom, she was a dance teacher for a long time here in Pacifica. And she had always had an adult class on Tuesday nights. So she would like leave for a few hours. And I was home watching that. And I tuned in like, you know, eighth inning or something. And the Orioles had just taken the lead. JJ Hardy, like it's a three run go ahead homer. And Jeter's due up third in the inning. And I'm like, this could get interesting. I think somebody walked or something or someone singled or someone doubled. And Giants first base coach Antoine Richardson pinch ran at second. So he was at second base. Jeter punches like, I mean, it was just a fastball right down the middle. Right field base hit. And then uh, Richardson scored. And it was a storybook ending. And what they did for him afterwards was amazing. They had Andy Pettit come out on the field. uh, Rivera, Paul O'Neill, Tino Martinez, Posada, who's like Posada is one of his best friends, Joe Torre, all these guys come on the field and then he goes back out to shortstop and like he's Mm -hmm. squatting. It's so awesome. So that's probably the one for me that sticks out. Yeah, that's nuts. I I didn't put it together that Richardson scored was the runner who scored on Jeter's last hit. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And if you watch the yes call from yes network, it's like base hit to right field. Here comes Richardson. The throw from Mark Hagis. Richardson is safe. You know, <laughs> Michael K goes, Derek Jeter, when fantasy becomes reality. It was really good. That's awesome. And it was funny because he said, when fantasy becomes reality. But when Jeter stepped into the box, uh, he said, the script is there and the last page is in Derek's hands. And then he said, the fantasy uh, becomes reality. So that was like very awesome. So love That's... Michael K. I think he's awesome. That's really cool. What about um, you? Well, you know, as I mentioned, I was a big uh, Barry Bonds fan. I'll defend him as long as I can. Uh, 7.56. I was at the ballpark for 7.56. Ah. Uh, it just happened to be at the beginning of the year because I was still up here in Sacramento. Dad and I would buy us, you know, they do the six pack. So it's like a game a month. So we do that. And then we'd like buy another couple random games throughout the year. It just happened to be that the game that he hit 756 was the last game of our six pack for that year. And so I was sitting in the left center field bleachers. I had a, our, so my ticket was $6 when people were paying hundreds of times that just to get in. Um, and I remember just like when he hit it and then it was just a celebration. Like they, I think they ended up losing the game. I don't even remember. Cause it was just like, everyone was just ecstatic from there on out. Is that the loudest you've ever heard the ballpark? Yeah, for sure. Um, um, close to a couple. I've been to a. I was at the 2014 NLCS Game Three walk off where Blanco put the bunt down and Choate threw it away down the first baseline, and that was probably the second loudest I heard it. And my seats were right down the the third baseline, just a little bit past third base, maybe two or three rows up. And when Blanco put the bunt down, I yelled 
throw it away, throw it away. <laughs> and he threw it away. And yeah, so that the place erupted then too, but it was a little more like the game was over. So like everyone like went nuts for like a good, you know, five minutes and then it kind of settled down bonds. The whole place was just buzzing the rest of the night. Um, yeah, so that was a really good one. I was also at 660 because um, for the longest time, my dad and I would always go to opening day and he hit 660 uh, at the home opener uh, when he tied Willie. Um, and I think I may have mentioned this on a shameless plug for RizzoCast when I was your guest a little over a year ago on RizzoCast. Uh, but when he hit it, my dad and I had arcade, we had standing room only seats. And so when Barry was chasing a milestone to get up on the arcade, you either had to have arcade seats or standing room only seat, you know, where right now you can, you can always walk around the whole perimeter of the ballpark freely. When it was Barry, when Barry was on a milestone, if you wanted, if you were in the right field corner and you wanted to get to the Coke bottle, you couldn't go along the outfield because you had to have a standing room only. You had to go around the inside of the ballpark to get over mm. there. And so we just went and got a spot on the arcade. And when he hit it, I thought I was going to catch it, but then obviously it carried into the water. But it, I literally watched it sail directly over my head. It was nuts. Six sixty out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. So it was really cool to be there for some of those big Barry moments, especially with him, you know, having so much to do with my love of baseball as a kid. Um, and then, you know, I guess I would have to mention, you know, the, the 22nd K game where I was just <laughs> stayed until one in the morning and saw the K board filling up down the right field line. And I was just like, Hey, I was with a couple of buddies. Hey, if they fill that up, I'm going to go down there. I have an idea and stood there like a letter for an inning. And that's what brought me uh, into contact with so many awesome people on giants twitter it kind of helped uh help me make a twitter name for myself i don't know how the hell you, you want to call it but people think oh that's you cool and so i've been able to just make so many friendships and just uh just talk baseball with people just because i had a funny idea and i stayed until 1 30 in the morning to watch the end of a baseball game i could say that i knew you before that and i could say that i knew you before kids and i knew you before you got married so like that's that's yeah. pretty awesome uh, no, that's, yeah, that's definitely, I was waiting for you to drop that on me, but, uh, going back to maze real quick, super quick story, but when you brought up maze and it reminded me of like a moment, not on the field, but like before the game, when maze talked for Barry Bonds at the Jersey retirement ceremony, yeah, that was I one was of the most memorable, that, that yeah. was one of the most memorable moments too. So many unbelievable players in one place. I want to say that was the last time Willie McCovey was at the, the ballpark, ballpark on the field so that was cool um and i remember the exact because i can't find the video anywhere so when i saw it on the end of that the say hey willie mays documentary that was the mm -hmm. first time i saw it in a while but i had remembered the words of what he said he said mm -hmm. like you know people talk about who is the best ball player in the world i don't care you know, let him have that honor and, you know, give him, I wish Peter McGowan would give him a statue. And then the words that he said was um, to all the people in, in the Bay Area and San Francisco and all over the world, vote this guy in to the Hall of Fame. He is very, very important to me. So I was like, wow, yeah. that's crazy. And everybody was quiet. It was like not scripted or it was, it was completely unscripted because Mays was not expected to talk. He just wanted to talk in the moment so yeah and they tried to bring him a microphone and he's like no i'm coming to the podium when yeah. i talk i want people to hear me and Dwayne kuyper said when mr mays wants to talk mr mays will get to talk so <laughs> yeah 
That's awesome. Yeah, that was really cool too. Uh, I hope a lot of people, I hope the 16 people who uh, are voting on the contemporary (laughs) era ballot watched the uh, Say Hey Willie Mays doc. 100%. Yeah, hopefully they did. Uh, And I guess to to end it here, uh, ballparks, I mean, I guess I'll start with this one because my ballpark list is not nearly as glorified as yours, but I've been to all the California ones. Or actually, no, you know what? Here's Here's the thing about me. I've not been to Dodger Stadium. That's the one ballpark. So, yeah. So, in order, I've been to, you know, many, numerous games at at Oracle Park. Many, many, many. Uh, Probably a little over 100. And then probably five or six at at, uh, Oakland and Oakland at the Oakland Coliseum. I want to hit up more A's games. I really do. Um, Do it while you can. Yeah. Do Yeah. I I do want to make that something that I do. Petco, probably three, I think, like separate trips to Petco, probably about three. I love that ballpark. It's beautiful. Um, Yeah, it's a good one. And then Angel Stadium once, and then Dodger Stadium, never been. Drove by it, see the ravine, but never been. So Yeah, Dodger Stadium was the last of my California ballparks. I went there for the first time like six or seven years ago. And it was just because whenever I was down there, they were out of town. It was not like I was just like, oh, I'm not going to Dodger Stadium. It was just... Me and me and the Dodgers were never in town at the same time. Uh, so finally got to go that. It was a Padres game. I made sure I wore nothing orange and black because I like to walk and breathe and stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I've been to, you know, basically if it's on the West Coast, I've been to it. I haven't been to T-Mobile yet, but I went to Kingdom while they were building T-Mobile up in Seattle. I uh, got to to go when i was a little kid i i always called it the holy trinity i wanted to go to fenway yankee and wrigley and so i got to go to i've been to a game at old yankee and new yankee old yankee was awesome it was like walking into a time machine just like sit there and be like that was where like babe ruth hit that's where luke Gehrig hit that's where mickey mantle and joe dimaggio hit um and then i got to go to wrigley i've been to wrigley probably more than any other stadium outside of oracle and oakland Um, and I got to see it in the different stages because I I went for the first time in like the late nineties. And so that was before they put up any like electronics. There was no, they had lights and that was about it. They had still just the mechanical scoreboard that they still have no jumbotrons. They didn't even have the little ribbon banners on like the upper decks. Uh, then I went a few years later in like Oh seven and they had like the ribbon banners now. So the little bit of technology. And then I went again in 2019 and they had the the jumbotron, so I got to see it kind of in all of its stages. I went went out and took BP on Waveland Avenue, which was really <laughs> cool. Uh, highly recommend that. And then you know, so I've been to I've been to eighteen or nineteen different stadiums. Some where like teams have changed. Like I've seen the Giants at Candlestick and Oracle, and the Yankees yeah. at Old and New, and the Padres at Jack Murphy and Petco. Um, but I've been to home games for half of baseball now. I've seen half of Major League Baseball play a home game, so I'll slowly keep checking those off and uh i went to the minnesota this last season so i've seen a uh every division now the al central especially for an nl west fan is always kind of like a dead zone um so i finally went to a twins game so now i've got the whole rest of the division to go but i've seen at least a team in every division play a home game too but uh well, you have more chances now with the new interleague play yeah i'm I'm excited with the new balanced schedule Mm -hmm. get a chance to more often get out to some of those stadiums where before it'd be like every six years, maybe. So, 
yeah. and, so and one thing def- about those old stadiums that I want because from afar, obviously, I've never been been to any of them, but those teams could have easily let those places rot, right? And just could have like you know, you know, they could have easily let them rot and then got themselves a new publicly financed or privately financed ballpark, but they don't. And I think that's awesome that they put so much money into Wrigley and Fenway to keep them, you know, in good condition. Because mm-hmm. we're seeing teams like after 15 years in a ballpark, they're already trying to get a new I mean, state. The the Rangers and the Braves are already the on Braves their third. Come, yeah. The Braves and Rangers are on their third stadium in my lifetime. That's insane. Like, come <laughs> on. Yeah. So kudos to those teams for like, you know, milking every ounce of baseball in those parks by, you know, refurbishing them every few years yeah. and doing well, the necessary changes. I think a big part of their draw is that they're that old and they have held so much history. So people want to travel mm-hmm. to, you know, if the Cubs played in a new stadium called, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it somewhere else in Chicago, not as many people are going to go like, Oh, I want to go see my team play the Cubs. You know, they want to go to Wrigley field is probably the first thing they say. Um, so yeah, you know, glad that they they've kept them around. I wish you could have seen Wrigley, like I said, old Yankee was like a time machine. Wrigley, when the first time I went there was like a time machine too. It was literally like no electronics anywhere to be seen. And all the the manual hand changing for even the score at the game, which I never even saw that as a kid at Candlestick. They always had the the light up scoreboard. So it was really cool to see that. But uh, yeah, highly recommend it. You know, it's it's cool. I always like to see, you know, obviously you know, new ballparks, but just to kind of go, go around and see new cities. And, you know, I always try to do like a, a night game, a day game and a night game. So you have some time in between so you can go check out some, some places. And, you know, usually the people are all really nice when you're from out of town. There's only a couple where people are jerks, <clears throat> Boston. Um, but yeah, everywhere I've gone is people have been really nice, you know, one place that um, I want to get, and, and I definitely want to travel a lot and look at those parks, but Cooperstown, that's that's the place that uh, I want to hit up one I of I went these to days. Cooperstown in 2000. It was really cool. Uh, my dad and I played catch at Doubleday Field. And I know you have a plan to go back, possibly. Like if, hopefully. If I've always yeah. said, I've always said if number 25 gets in, I'm going to be there. So hopefully I have to make some arrangements for New York come July. And was it you that said that if he doesn't get in, you'll never go? Or that might have been Brooks. Can't remember. Um, it might have been FP also. Um, yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Got to get him um, on the I've, iPod. <laughs> I've definitely thought about that. If I would have a hard time going, to be honest, but like if my son wanted to go, I wouldn't be like, no, son, Barry Bonds isn't there, so we're not. <laughs> um, but I would have a hard time like going on my own if he's not. Um, but also then like, you know, if he doesn't get in, but then like, you know, in a few years we'll, we'll have Bochi getting in and we'll have pro- hopefully Buster, you know, I'd try to go for those, but, um, I'd have a hard time making a special trip out there any other time of the year for basically a museum that is ignoring my childhood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Power hour. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, well, I wasn't keeping a timer on this one, so I don't yeah, know I think we were, we... we're probably about an hour in now, but Hey, hopefully this you got fun. to know us a little bit better. It was a lot of fun. You know, we, Steven and I could have done like a three hour episode on just the 
let's sit around and bullshit about baseball. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, we'll have some more news to talk about soon. The winter meetings are about a week and a half away. We're going to see some smaller dominoes fall. So we'll, we'll have some more to talk about here shortly, but, uh, thanks for listening, Steven, my man. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully everybody out there had a great Thanksgiving holiday and uh, we'll be live from the winter meetings in San Diego in your imagination. So if you try to imagine it, it's probably going to be true. We should do that. We should just pretend we're in San Diego, but just, you know, you're in your office and I'm here. So that'd be right. Let's, uh, but we'll uh, yeah, well, we shut it down again. We did shut it down again. And one, probably an immaculate inning this time. I think. I think so. Yeah. Give us your thoughts. Yeah. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you find your podcast, go check it out. Shut down inning, shut down underscore inning on Twitter. Go give us a follow. Uh, and it's there where you'll find our personal handles as well. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. And have a great day. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs>